Hello and thank you for joining us. This is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. I remind you that this series of talks is a gospel anthology, a collection of ways in which Brian is telling the good news message of the gospel. It's good news from God and it's found in our Bibles. The title of this week's talk is Lost and Found, which starts on the basis of stories which Jesus told to illustrate God's good news message. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. It's common knowledge that Jesus told stories known as parables. Very often, Jesus' critics, the Pharisees and other religious groups, were the target of his parables. I would now like to share some thoughts on one of those famous stories told by Jesus. It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Jesus said this, What woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, doesn't light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, Jesus said, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The telling of this story is part of Jesus' response to the criticism made against him by religious leaders when they said Jesus was a friend of tax gatherers and blatant sinners. You'll gather they didn't like the tax collectors in those days. There was an extra reason for that, one that went beyond any dislike in handing over our hard-earned money to the government. These tax gatherers were considered traitors to their own nation because they were in the employment of the occupying Roman power. Not only that, but they charged the people more than they should and put the extra into their own pockets. It's hardly surprising then that they weren't liked and their behaviour was viewed as despicable. But what they did do was that they listened to Jesus and he would at times have meals with them. This was too much for the Pharisees and other religious groups, too much for them to tolerate. And so they criticised Jesus for this, which, as we say, led Jesus to tell this story against them, that is, against the Pharisees. The nine coins which the woman didn't lose serve as a reference to the Pharisees. And the one lost coin refers to the tax collectors and sinners, those whom the religious leaders back then couldn't be bothered with. Quite frankly, they thought they were a waste of space. So Jesus is now about to use this story as a shock tactic to face those religious people up with the fact that theirs was not God's valuation of the tax collectors and other big sinners. Before we go further, as we consider this story, I want to suggest it gives us all four things to think about. Here are the four messages from it. Number one, you are valuable. Number two, but it could be that you are lost. Number three, if so, might God be looking for you? And number four, then this could be your opportunity to repent. Let's get started. Remember how in the story told by Jesus, the woman continued to sweep the house and search carefully until she found the coin, which was a thing of great value. 
The coin in question, which she had lost, was a drachma, a Greek silver coin, which is only referred to here in all of the New Testament. This coin equaled about a full day's wages. Now, remember how we said that this one lost coin referred to the sinners whom the religious leaders despised. The point would have been clear to Jesus' listeners. The sinners with whom Jesus was associating were being portrayed as being extremely valuable to God. But we said we are also trying to connect with this story for any contemporary significance. Let's explore the overall message that you too really matter and so need to be found. You're valuable to God. The story is told of a man who loved old books. He met an acquaintance who told him he'd just thrown away a Bible that had been stored in the attic of his ancestral home for generations. I couldn't read it, the friend explained. Somebody named Guten something had printed it. Not Gutenberg, the book lover exclaimed in horror. That Bible was one of the first books ever printed. Why? A copy just sold for over two million dollars. His friend was unimpressed. Mine wouldn't have fetched a single dollar. Some fellow named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. Of course, Martin Luther was the famous German reformer, and any copy of an early printed Bible with his handwritten notes would be a highly sought-after collector's item. But, so the story goes, the person who found this book was ignorant of these matters, and therefore, to him, it was simply an old book with little or no value. Similarly, you might not think that you matter to God, but you are valuable in God's sight. You might dismiss the idea that God could be interested in you, but if so, then you need to understand this story to discover you really are valuable to God. But not only valuable, lost. The famous author Orwell describes a wasp which he said was sucking jam on my plate, and I cut him in half. The wasp paid no attention, merely went on with his meal, while a tiny stream of jam trickled out of his severed esophagus. Only when he tried to fly away did he grasp the dreadful thing that had happened to him. That wasp and people without Christ have much in common. Severed from their souls, still greedy and unaware, People continue to consume life's sweetness. Only when it's time to fly away might they grasp their dreadful condition. But some, even with their last breath, are oblivious to their state. P.T. Barnum, the circus magnate, on his deathbed asked, How are the circus receipts today? But so you may not be oblivious like that. To the true state of affairs, we ask, How do you know if you're lost? We're going to take our answers to that question from Ephesians chapter 4. It's there that Paul describes lost people as being those of a futile mind. In other words, their lives are devoid of God's purpose. Paul next writes about their darkened understanding, meaning they're without God's revelation to guide or enlighten them. Then Paul goes on to say that they've got hardened hearts, in other words, they're insensitive to God and his ways. Finally, Paul mentions impure greed and deceitful lusts, which means lost people are living 
for self-gratification in some form. Please consider if these things could possibly describe you. Well, it's time to get back to the parable. In the parable, the woman had to light a lamp in the darkened room of her house and painstakingly she began to search for the coin. You see, her trustworthiness is on the line. This makes a difference between the story of the lost coin and the other two stories of lost things which Jesus told in Luke chapter 15, namely about the lost sheep and the lost son. The shepherd didn't lose the sheep, nor did the father lose the son, but this woman lost the coin. She'd been entrusted with the money and was responsible for it. She needs to find it, and she knows the coin must be in the house. If she looks hard enough, she realises the coin can be found. I wonder if you're also willing to take responsibility for the way you are. Perhaps you're lost, but there's hope. If God is looking for you, you'll be found. There's that certainty for all those who belong to him. Perhaps this is your opportunity to repent. Let me try to illustrate for you what it means to repent, because we need to understand what God is calling upon us to do. Ernest Miller Hemingway was an American author who died as a result of a self-inflicted shotgun blast to the head. That shotgun had previously been his young son's proud boast, a possession he'd taken pleasure in, something he could brag about to his friends. But after that fateful day, when his father used it to end his own life, the boy's attitude towards the gun changed completely. His mother told him to take it and throw it into the lake. He did so. The thing he'd previously taken such delight in, the trophy that had adorned their house, and in the young boy's thinking at least had once deserved pride of place, that very same gun was now a hated object. And what had brought about such a reversal of opinion, such a total change of attitude? It was because when he looked at the gun, what he now saw was the very weapon that had taken his dear father's life. From being something he'd been proud of, that gun was now something he hated. So when the Bible calls on us to repent of our sin, it means we are no longer to take pleasure in sin as we once did, but now instead we are to hate it, since it was our sin which led Christ to die on the cross for us. To truly repent first means that we recognise we've done wrong. For some, it's possible to recognise wrongdoing, but not to be sorry for the sin, only for the fact they've been caught. Repentance, therefore, also includes remorse, which is to be sorry for what we've done. Again, some may get that far, but stop short at begging for forgiveness. It's as if they can admit their shameful guilt to themselves, but not to others. So repentance includes a recognition of having done wrong, having remorse for it, as well as requesting forgiveness. Some may even go that far, but they're thinking, given half a chance, I'll do it again. That kind of attitude also is one that stops short of repentance. True repentance definitely includes a preparedness to renounce what we've done. That is, to take the view, I've learnt my lesson and I aim never to do the same thing again. But there also needs to be a readiness to restore or hand back anything by which our actions have defrauded others of what's rightfully theirs. As you listen to this, I hope you'll remember the value of the lost coin and realise that you really do matter to God. Then. 
Remember the woman searching for that coin and realize that God's looking for you. He's missing you and looking for you. Remember, finally, the joy of the woman when she found her lost coin and the joy there will be in heaven when you turn to God. You now have an opportunity to take responsibility and repent. Will you take it? In the words of the hymn we've just heard, and in keeping with Brian's talk, John Newton describes how he once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So in response to our hymn, why not ask God to open your eyes to see the wonderful good news of God's love for you in the gospel message? The word gospel just means good news. Now, if you have a question about any of the talks in this series, then do write in to sft at churchesofgod.info and discuss it with Brian. The transcript book of all the talks in this series would be helpful to you to pursue further study. Firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. And there's another way where you can write to us and request a hard copy book to be posted out to you. Just ask for the title, It's Not Fake News. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And I'd be delighted if you join me again to hear our next talk at the same time next week. And it's called Dead Man Walking. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, our producer, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. When we